Sly Dog Music Cast. Now here's your host, the Sly Dog. Hello and welcome back to the Sly Dog Music Cast. I'm your host, the Sly Dog, and joining me today, a returning guest, combs his hair in a pompadour like the rest of the Romeos wore. He's keeping the faith. Mr. Craig Smith. Craig, how you doing? Learned about sex, but not enough. Were you setting <laughs> that one up? Is that where you were going with this? <laughs> Isn't that before that in the song? I don't yeah, remember. I, I, I don't. I. My life did not follow the order of any pop song, so <laughs> I, I refuse to commit that to memory. But thank you for having me on. It is it is much appreciated because you know me. I can talk about this. Oh, um, yeah. It was funny. You sent me a message. You're like, hey, do you think that we could like hit this episode sooner? And I was like, I'm ready now. Dial <laughs> me the fuck up now. Hell yeah. This is something I'm always ready to talk about because my coworkers are getting sick of hearing about Billy Joel deep cuts. <laughs> half of them don't even know who billy joel is work with a bunch of 20 somethings oh no so you're working with well i mean as a 20 something um i i, yeah, I that's I, true I, I, <laughs> who I was talking to <laughs> well as someone who's been around them i feel like most people my age they know they know piano man they know uptown girl and they know we didn't start the fire and for that i feel kind of sorry for them because uh i don't hate any of those songs and i really like piano man but Uptown Girl and We Didn't Start the Fire, I feel like, are like some of the late least of what he's done. And they're the most known of what he's done, which is kind of frustrating. I, I, I can say as a, something that won't be much of a spoiler, um, it, it low-key angers me that I do not think he has performed a full show since the Stormfront tour where we didn't start the fire was not played i'm sure there, i'm sure maybe a couple slipped through but i cannot recall ever seeing a set list without that on it i feel like that is the there are mainstays and i feel like that one just does not deserve to be and i'm saying this as a i was a junior in high school walking around a red china johnny ray like i i was i was obsessed with this fucking song and it, but it's like if there's a Billy Joel song that had its time, Jesus Christ, it's that. Like, let it go. Like, but I understand casuals need to hear it, but it's just like, I know nobody that I've been to a Billy Joel show with on various levels of fandom that has gone to a Billy Joel show with me and been like, oh, cool, we didn't start the fire. Like, just, I, I don't, I don't get it. I it's don't the, get it. But the... Spotify would probably prove me wrong. It's probably like the first or second most streamed billy joel song so i'm the idiot but that's why you have me on <laughs> yes we'll, we'll, we'll be the idiots today um, that's right so and, and you mentioned you were in junior high when that came out this is a good transition um what's your billy joel origin story like i know you've done it on the pot that Sauce network but what is uh where does it begin for you it's uh it's an interesting one i grew up in a house that had piano man and the stranger and then Glass Houses. And then I, the first Billy Joel record I remember buying with like allowance money was Nylon Curtain. So it must have been uh, by the time Allentown was released. So maybe like a couple months into the album's release. Uh, and it was interesting because like my sister had bought Billy Joel albums or, you know, my parents. And this is the first time that like we didn't have it in the house. So I went and bought it. Um, I think... But, but the interesting thing about Billy Joel is that as much as I gravitated to that album and some others, Billy Joel was not like a, an artist whose shirt you would wear 
in school uh, in 1989 or 1990, unless you were the dude sitting in front of me whose name was Rick Schnee. Now, I did an episode about Billy Joel with him where we go through our entire history, um, if anybody just wants more Billy Joel. But um, I was like, this dude is wearing a Billy Joel shirt. He's got to realize that it's just not that cool. And he just wasn't into music, but he was just like into Billy Joel. And uh, one day I, I might have even teased him about it. Like, what's with the, the Billy Joel tour shirt? But like I was, you know, I bought Stormfront. You know, I, I it was one of those things that just like you didn't talk about to your friends that <laughs> we didn't start the fire kind of overrode that, you know, a bit. But even so, like. Right just wasn't one of the cool artists. So um, I had, at the time, there was a flea market um, a state over and there was just always a cassette bootleg seller, eight, eight bucks a piece. Still remember them, these dot matrix printed out J cards. And uh, I decided to get one show from every Billy Joel tour that he had. Uh, and so I started off with like four or five and there are shows that are, that are like, if I was taking Billy Joel stuff on a desert island, three of the shows that I got on, on my first visit would be in there. They are just absolute. It, you see the peak. It's it's crazy. Um, and so I started collecting Billy Joel bootlegs. So me and my friend Rick, um, he would start coming with me and he would grab some and then we'd dub them for each other. And it was like, you know, one of those things where we got obsessive about Billy Joel, which at the age of like 17, I did not think was a possibility, but like we were, we were goddamn obsessed. Um, it would be a thing like you call me, I found this crazy Billy Joel book from 1977 at the bookstore here. You got to go get one. And then I'd go get one and then we'd compare. And, you know, this is why I have a podcast now. You can, you can see the exact the exact line, the through line, just going right through it. So, yeah, it was just like I found the right friend to, you know, obsess and uh, collect Billy Joel with. And uh, we went to see him a few times. And um, so, yeah, it's it's not only rooted in childhood, but in a different way, my high school years. And, you know, uh, is the symbol of a, a friendship. So it uh, means a lot to me. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, as, as always, I say, I discovered Billy Joel much later, like a lot of the artists I talk about. But uh, I, I I did have a funny realization prepping for this. I was unconsciously introduced to Billy Joel at a really young age um, uh -oh. through the movie Oliver and Company, where he plays Dodger. Like, I was a little kid when that movie came out. What year was that? Like, okay, I guess it came out in the... I remember, from what I read, it came out in the late 80s, but it was like it was on Disney channel, like in the nineties. And that's how I saw it. So, I'm already an adult. Yeah. Uh, 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 if, if, another thing that you want to make you feel old. Um, Great. Thanks. River, <laughs> River, River of dreams came out in August, 1992. I was born in November. Sorry. August, 1993. I was born in November. I was born in November, 1993. So. <laughs> so you have not been alive for any like new Billy Joel album of original music that he sings on. No. I had to throw a lot of qualifiers at the end of that, but you saw where <laughs> I was going. Yeah. So, yeah. But that was my first introduction. I didn't know it was him in the movie doing the voice of Dodger, but that would have been where I heard him first. But the first time I heard him was uh, kind of, it's. Uh, I think the story's hilarious. So I was really into Joan Jett. Um, and uh, Joan Jett has a lot of racier songs, you could say, a lot of dirtier songs. But I wanted to hear those. 
and I was conscious that my, I didn't know they were dirty at the time, but I was conscious of the fact that there were songs my dad wasn't letting me hear because he made me a copy of Joan Jett's Greatest Hits collection on cassette, but he removed certain songs. Like he programmed the CD player to remove certain songs. So I saw that he had a VHS, like it was like Joan Jett video hits or whatever like that. I forget the exact name of it. And I was like, I want to watch that because he let me oh, watch, he, he let me watch his music movies. And I now know that the video for the French song is on there and that's got some uh, dirty stuff in it. And he went, no, 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 go watch this. And he pulled Billy Joel's essential video collection off the shelf and he gave that to me. And I was already like, oh man. So this is DVD. No, it's VHS. VHS, essential video collection. So that was the the one that's got like 20 songs or so? I believe I so. Came, okay, because it came out on DVD later, I think. Same, probably the same thing. Because I, I bought them, um, they were originally released as two VHS uh, things called the video album, which I rented a lot uh, as a kid. Uh, each one had 10 songs. I've since bought them on Laserdisc because the versions of some of the videos on there uh, did not end up on the DVD or like elsewhere. Some of the, some of the alternates of the videos are crazy. Um, I still wonder like where half of them came from. Uh, but yeah, yeah. Very, yeah. very cool. So, well, the, well, the, the story is, isn't ended yet. Um, I got it and I looked at it. I, he's on the cover. He's looking all kind of glib and I'm like, Oh, this isn't going to be fun. But I took it upstairs with me. I popped it in. The first song is Piano Man. I'm like, all right, all right, I like this. And then the next song is All for Lena. And I was like, ooh, I really like this. Like, it's kind of yeah. got, it's got the Overheim keyboard. And he's like, at the beginning of the video, he's like coming up with like doing the crazy eye thing. Uh, yeah, just like that. So, exactly. And I was like, okay, I can get in this. And then the next video was Tell Her About It. And I was like, oh, I don't like this. Yeah. And then the next video was Honesty. And I was like, this fucking sucks. I didn't say that. I was I was probably like eight. But I, I ejected it. And I was like, okay, that I'm I'm done with this. Nope, Billy Joel's not for me. And I watched Pink Floyd's The Wall instead. Um I don't That's... think my dad I don't think my dad actually watched that movie. I think he bought it and was like, that'll be fine for him to watch. Yeah, that, that's worse than Joe Jet right there. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah, I was watching that movie at a young age. But then fast, yeah, they, they, uh, fast forward a couple years. I, I forget. I'm not sure exactly how many. I, I was I was, I was, was in junior high school. And I had a, someone had gotten me a subscription to Rolling Stone. I'm reading a lot of music magazines at this point. And I'm becoming more familiar with albums that are considered like an essential fabric of pop music. And this was around the time that Billy was putting out the deluxe Stranger. And Rolling Stone did a write-up on it. And I was like, I know my dad has this on cassette. So I went and I, I took the cassette and I took it with me when I went to do chores, I would feed calves. And my dad had a stereo in the milk barn where he would play his old cassettes. So while I fed the calves, I would listen to the cassettes he had growing up. So I put in The Stranger and I immediately fell in love with it. Uh, it was yeah. I felt it was like so cinematic and big and... I, I just really, really liked that album. Like it, it hooked me in. And then, so he had everything on cassette from The Stranger forward. Mm -hmm. So then I was like, all right, well, let me, let me try some of the other ones. Um, and I fell in love with The Nylon Curtain. That one became my favorite really quickly. Songs in the Attic. I really like Stormfront. Um, was not a fan of An Innocent Man. I tried, was not a fan at the time. Um, 
but I would listen to those cassettes. And that was kind of how I first came to enjoy his music. And then I kind of dove back in when the Bridge to Russia concert was uh, reissued. And yep, that yep. kind of put me back in and I got everything on CD. And I've just been a fan ever since. Like I always, I tend to come back to his music quite a bit. Like every so often I just go and listen to the whole catalog. Mm -hmm. so. You know, it's it's funny, uh, like your, your introductory pocket really is a stranger because I another episode with a uh, uh, friend of, of mine Brian Jacobs who when I asked him the same question you know how how did you get into Billy Joel and he's like I grew up in the 70s like <laughs> it's it's really just as simple an answer as that if there was no reason for him to turn you off like he that's the sound of 70s radio to me like those productions like and they still you know, they still have like a really unique sound, They're just albums that are produced incredibly. Um, but it's so weird because we all, most of us, start at The Stranger. And then there's like a, a, a period where we go back into that pre-Stranger stuff. And discovering that was super interesting to me. Oh, yeah. Because I think it was probably the live shows that, that steered me in that direction. Like when I would hear some stuff like uh, on the 1974 or 76 shows i'd be like "Ooh, what album is this on and then i'd go there i by by senior year of high school i had had all the cds so I, I i was pretty familiar by that point but um yeah it's it's just that pre-stranger pocket is just real interesting when you discover it for the first time it is and especially for me because like my my dad never went back. He never, like, he just kept from the stranger forward, kept buying them. Um, mm -hmm. So then when I was on my, on my own later in life and I started checking those albums out, it was like, you know, kind of these legendary things I'd, I'd heard about, but had only gotten a taste of through songs in the attic. So when I heard turnstiles for the first time or street life serenade or piano man, it was always, it always felt like a big event to me. It always felt like a big deal. Right. So, yeah. Yeah, they're definitely special albums and now and now i've kind of done the reverse thing where i put those albums on my dad's ipod i'm like go listen to turnstiles i promise you like that this is yep. you're gonna love that one <laughs> yeah so. actually you know what it, a lot of it just might have been songs in the attic for me you know when i got that 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 would have introduced you heartily to oh, you yeah. know all of the early albums in some way or another so it could be a combination of the two but essentially it was like some kind of live recording that really sparked the the want to go listen to that stuff and i was so happy i did because it's just it's one of those catalogs that like the albums are so rewarding the you can you can drop the needle anywhere and it's very unlikely you'll hit something really bad might be a style of music you don't like that happens sometimes in this catalog for me but there aren't a, a lot of songs that are just actively like i hate this song it's more just like and radio really fucked up this song for me. You know, there's yeah. a lot of that in the catalog, but it, but it's, it's so strong in terms of like the deep cuts and the album cuts. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And it stays evergreen. Like, I feel like sometimes, like I, I said this to Mara today, I, I was like, I'm at the point where I've listened to the whole catalog this year and I'm like, I need more. Like I want more from him, but I know he's not going to give me any, any more, but you never get burned out on it. Or at least I, I don't. And maybe it's just cause I didn't, hear some of these songs on the radio constantly like i i expose myself to them so like yeah. i never really get burned out on them yeah and i mean i i just i i understand the need for more but i i don't need like a sonic boom from billy joel like we're good 
we're good. You know, just he knew when, you know, and, you know, was unapologetic about it. Like said it pretty much as soon as it happened. He's like, yeah, I think I'm done. Yeah. And it's been a couple songs since then released here and there, like one-off things and some some of the classical stuff he's written. But yeah, I mean, if his heart's not in it, don't do it, you know? Yeah, no, I'd, I'd rather not get a half-baked album from him, honestly. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because then you end up with River of Dreams. Um, <laughs> uh, you, you, yeah. touched, you, you touched on something I wanted to touch on, too. You, you said, you know, you never saw Billy Joel as cool in a way. And I, I see what you mean in, the, in that respect. He's, he's kind of like the everyman, but not in the same way like Bruce Springsteen is. I've never been able to, like, quantify what it is about him that makes him so relatable. But, like, I, I listen to certain songs like, yeah, I, I, I know what you mean, dude. And I feel like a lot of people can get that out of him. Yeah. It, it's also interesting to me that for as ridiculed as he was, he was like, the, you know, he was this dude that would he'd kick your ass. Right. Like, oh, yeah. I mean, like I, I, everybody's saying you know, because he writes a ballad, it's that he's wimpy. But I mean, I, I think the dude could could take care of himself. No worries there. Sure, he probably still can. I, it, it, it's just been a, a weird kind of a disconnect that I never quite understood. You know, it could just be the the ballads and you know venturing into softer territory. But like, who who didn't do that? You know, right. And uh, like you mentioned, he he's kind of varied in what he does. Like, mm. yeah, he might do a ballad, but he might throw in a reggae too, and he might throw in something that's a bit jazzier. He might throw in like a real hard straight ahead rocker. Like one thing I kind of came to the realization of doing all this prep for this episode was I thought to myself, when I listened to glass houses, I was like, I wonder what it was like for people who had bought 52nd street and had bought the stranger. And those, those albums have rock songs, but then you put on glass houses and you hear the glass breaking. And it's like a total shift into like a kind of, punky new wave thing and you don't really get a nice pretty piano song tell don't ask me why and even that's not really a ballad it's yeah. more of a samba so yeah. so he, he, there there is there are moments in there like where he changes stuff up or even like when you go to the next album you go to the nylon curtain you get there and then it's not even like ballady it's like beatlesque and trippy and mm -hmm. dark and nightmarey and cin cinematic so yeah, he's he's tried a lot of stuff. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So yeah, so we're gonna talk about we're doing a setlist dreams episode. I love doing these because I love the idea, and I think the ultimate fantasy for most of us um, is artists we love handing us a pen and a paper, going, "You tell me what I'm playing tonight," and that's what we get to do here. Um, I've never seen him live. I will be seeing him live later this year in one of the shows where he's a. Uh, co-headlining with stevie nicks and i'm super super excited for that um awesome. you know the song they did together right oh i came up with it and then i forgot about it what is it river of dreams <laughs> i had another one i had another one <laughs> i know you did oh god damn it I, 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 I I'm, I'm gonna be like lay, laying in bed later tonight and it's just gonna come to me and be like son of a bitch and you'll, and yeah and i'm gonna up. be laying in bed and i'm gonna hear doo -doo -doo. And I'm going to be like, that's Alex. He, yep. he thought of it finally. There it, there it is. Yep. Uh, but I know you've seen him live. You've seen him live a handful of times, right? Yeah, I think either four or five times. I saw him two or three times on River of Dreams. Oh. And then, uh, you know, what? I think it was twice on River of Dreams. Once around 98. 
Oh, um, the greatest hits year, the greatest hits volume three tour. That was the worst that I'd seen him. Yeah, that was um, when he was drinking. Or he 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 was. Uh, I also saw him with Elton once. I think it was ninety four. They came around twice. I can't remember what, which tour it was. Uh, and then I saw two of the shows in two thousand six, um, which I, uh, this is for an episode like this. If there was that's that's the one twelve gardens. If there was ever a Billy Joel tour where the set lists were amazing night after night. Um, I, I'm just, I'm one of those guys where it's just like, okay, he's going to play piano man last great audience sing along, whatever. First night of this tour, he, he fucking opened with piano man. Right? And I was like, holy shit, he's getting it out of the way. Like, that's awesome. And then I don't think he ever did it again. Like, nope. That. Just once, just so the, once, just once. So, but, but that tour, like the first half of the show I would say like at least a quarter of the entire set were fairly deep cuts that were like swapped in and out. They repeated now and then, but it, it was, there was enough juggling of that set night after night that like the next morning I was like looking online to, to see what, what they played. So, um, and, and was surprised a lot. Uh, I, I saw him twice and got quite a few songs that I never thought I would hear. So, so um, just, would you say those two were your favorite, the 06 tour? Yeah, yeah, definitely. There was a Valentine's Day show, 06, um, which was interesting because he did, for Valentine's Day, he did You're My Home and She's Got Away, which I think he hadn't done on the tour so far. Or if he did, it's been, it had been sporadic. But I remember being like, ooh, like he, there's even more stuff like coming out that I didn't expect. Um, but I would say the other one that was not the Valentine's Day show was the one that was my favorite um, and I'm going to, while we're doing this, I'm going to pull up the set list for that. So I have it as reference. Should I need it? I think I know what song that is and I'll save it for when it comes up. Oh, so you're, you're telling me that it's going to be in your set list. Oh, oh no, not in mine. I, I, I there's a song I know you really like of his and I, oh, think okay. you, I think you mentioned you got to see it live. I think you, I think you did. I could it, yeah. That probably, it probably would have been the one that you're thinking of. Yes. But we'll I am going to. We'll Say that for when it comes up. I'm sure. Yep. I thought I thought you had. I, I thought you were like a step ahead of me. No. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, so I think you know. Just speaking as far as like live goes, like ever since I kind of started watching live videos of him, like he is. I mean, he's kind of dialed it back now. He stays at the piano. He's not you know running around the stage and climbing on it and like he's not doing like I watched live in Long Island last night for the first Ooh. time and. Uh, He's, I, I know he's not doing that anymore. He's not, you know, right. acting like he's going to do a backflip off the piano and climb it on shit. But <laughs> he was a pretty, he was a pretty energetic performer. And I think people forget that. Oh, God. Yeah. He, he had, he had, I'm fairly certain that like the jumping off the piano and all that shit was done by the time I saw him in 93. But yeah, man, the, I, I remember seeing um, Live in Long Island when it first aired and oh, wow. oh man it was on hbo i believe and then mm -hmm. also saw the russian concert when it was on hbo as well um actually you know what russian concert was one of my first tickets in because at that point i had just gotten a cd player i was buying just like every cd that came out yeah. and uh i bought it because it was a digital recording that uh, also might have contributed to my increasing fandom um nice. but yeah anyway i digress
Very cool. Yeah, I, I I heard it was a good thing to watch, and I knew he put it all on his YouTube mm -hmm. channel, so I watched it. And <coughs> God, that was so cool. It was cool to hear him do like Scandinavian skies and until the night. What a trip! Yep. And and that was missing like at least seven or eight songs that he performed that night. Like it was heavily edited. I think there's at least a, a half hour cut out of it. Wow. Yeah. I, if there is a Billy Joel dream release for me, it would be the entire Live in Long Island show or a box set with all of them. Uh, if they were all recorded, I'll take all of them. I would love to see like a live series come out uh, for him. And right. we did get like a little bit on that, what I thought was a fairly god-awful box set of albums that came out, um, I, I guess last year, came with a, a a bonus LP that's coming out this record store day. Oh, uh, that one. Which, yeah, 1975 show was in there. Um, and that's incredible. Like, I, I and I'd never heard anything. 1975 was always a blind spot. I had a radio show from 74, and I had a gig in a club from 76. And then he releases a 75 thing and it's got stuff on there. I'd never heard him play live before. So I was like, I, I probably can't be surprised at this point. And then that comes out and I'm like, holy shit. Like I would never have expected the set list that he plays on there. And he's just like talking to dudes at tables in front of him. He's like, yeah, is there anything <laughs> you want to hear? Like it's crazy dinner, dinner place, wow. dinner club. Um, so I recommend it. If anybody wants to grab it on record store day, it's amazing. But uh, I would love to see him keep going down that road. Like, it's a moneymaker, you know. Yeah, I, I, I think I'd love him to take a, I'd love him to take a page out of Kiss's book. Kiss is doing these like off the soundboard things right now, you know, minimal mm -hmm. packaging. You know, just put it out there. Like I would love that. Like me too. Me like too. hey, here here's something from the Nylon Garden tour. Here's something from uh, the Fifty Second Street tour. Whatever. Mm -hmm. Like you know, might not be the best quality, but it's good. It's fun to listen to. So yeah, um, I, I'm sure you know. I'm sure there's stuff that exists there that you know we don't know about. And there's a there's something I wanted to touch on even before I like I watched the live on Long Island thing and I knew it was on his channel and I watched this this came out last year the Billy Joel live at Yankee Stadium reissue um, and it's got it's got an audio portion which is far superior to the video portion because the video portion doesn't add anything to the original it's just the same. Um, the importance of Billy's original band, you can really feel like before this, if you compare this to like the Russia concert, mm. it's like Billy is being backed up by Toto here. Like the band doesn't have, the band doesn't, uh, nothing against Toto. I love Toto. Um, but they're too perfect. They're too studio musician-y and too clean. Like this is a very perfect gig. It's just not very raw. Yeah, I remember, I remember, it. I mean, the thing I always hated about it was it just had that, like, Kiss Confidential filming, like the the weird kind of fucking filters and the, yeah. the just these crazy droney zooms, and it's just like, that. it's so unneeded. Like, watch Live in Long Island and, and tell me you miss any of the effects in, and, and they recut it for this, right? I didn't, I haven't seen it. I, I, I never loved this. I never thought it was great. Like I, I, I hardly ever watched it or even like listened to the audio from it. Um, it just, it, I don't know. I, I just couldn't, couldn't enjoy it. I couldn't Back tell in you the day. If, I couldn't tell you if it was recut cause I'd never seen the original. Um, but 
yeah, I, I watched it. And I'm like, yeah, it, it's it's fine. Um, I enjoyed listening to it just because like it was fun to hear it live. But mm-hmm. like I don't know, like watching it, I was like, yeah, like like you said, the shots are weird and like during yeah. pressure, like there's like this really weird grainy moment of him like running across the stage and the camera's shaking. I'm just like, right. See, that's the kind of stuff I thought they were gonna fix. Like those cr- those those happened all throughout. So maybe they cut down on them. Maybe. Um, but yeah, I. Uh... 90s concert videos were just really shitty yeah all of that to say um i lived through it if they can if they can put that out can we maybe get live in long island now please please (laughs) and you know what i i'm i'm leaning towards no only because i i why would the entire show be put on youtube like if there was ever a plan to release this unless like the plan is to go back again and recut it or I, I I assume that's shot on video. I think it's shot on video. So there's not much they could do to clean it up. Right. But, you know, I, why... I could see him putting a few songs up from it, but he put that entire show up plus a song that wasn't even on the original. So, like, it, it feels to me like that's the official release right there on YouTube. Grab it. Grab it while you can, because once that disappears, who knows where you'll be able to get it again, you know? Yeah. I just wonder why that... And, like, like why... Why this one and not that? Like, I don't know. Like, I figured they're both about got the same commercial appeal, all things considered. You know, with a Billy Joel release at this point, so probably yeah. yeah. So why, why? <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't understand why that one and and that show was annoyingly. If I talk about how they cut eight songs out of Long Island, they cut half the set out of this. Like, yeah. The CD's got the whole show, I assume, right? Yep, two discs, got the whole okay. show. Yeah. So, like, the video, to me, is useless. Like, if you're going to do that, go back and do the whole goddamn show. Like, make it worth it, you know? Like, it, it, in its hour-long or whatever it was, state before, it was just, you know, it, 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 I, I feel like a concert video needs to hit a certain length. Like, these these concert videos edited down to, like, an hour total bullshit. No. Told you we were going to get grumpy old man today. <laughs> well, well, did, did you smoke up beforehand? Oh, it's a, a, come on, this we're we're, uh, <laughs> we're on the air. No, it's legal here. I uh, <laughs> I didn't. I I have not, but uh, I I might take a just a little bit uh, before we get into this, just in case you have any opinions that are like a Mister Brian Jacobs where I have to get like angry. Uh, I- so yeah, you can. I'll, I'll do that, and you can you can talk up the uh, the next segment. All right. I I don't think that we'll have anything uh, like like that. Like as I said before, there'll be no uh, mm. there won't be a golden slumbers moment here. Um, but yes. Billy Joel has no medleys except for one, but it's one track. Exactly. Well, two technically, I think. Uh, but I digress. Yeah. So we're gonna but do one on the CD. Say what? One on the CD. One on the CD. That's true. Um, so yeah, we're gonna do our dream Billy Joel set list. I've I've basically set it up that we have twenty four songs to play with, um, and we can place the encores as we'd like. I've placed mine so that there are two encores. Um, the second one being completely unplanned. Um, and like I always say, you know, this is basically like the artist handing us a pen and a paper and going, "You tell me what I'm gonna play tonight." So so it's basically going, "All right, guys." You you tell me what I'm going to play tonight. I don't know if that was a good impression or not. 
So see, I need I might need to make a new list because the way I thought about this was like more realistic than what my dream set list would be. I would be happy with this. Yeah. But I, I don't know that my dream set list would really be a realistic one. When we did monkeys, like we included like hits and stuff, right? No, not really. I mean, I included Listen to the Band, but that's only because like that's a song I love so much that like I'm not sick of it. Like I'm not I don't have the burnout factor on it. I don't really have like a lot of burnout factor on any monkey songs when I think about it, maybe other than I'm a believer. Fair. But yeah, no, with with, with this one I totally went just like what like what do I want to hear? And I ended up leaving a few hits in only because they're kind of like listen to the band in that mm-hmm. way. Like I just love them that much, but, but there, but there weren't many of them. Like it was funny. I was talking to my parents about like what I do in this episode. And my mom asked me, so how many of these do you think he would actually play live? I'm like, re- <laughs> I'm like in reality, like of my list, we're probably only guaranteed three and maybe like three other would be a maybe depending on if he feels like playing them that night. So yeah. So yeah, I, I, I just went all out there. It's like, okay, this is what I want to hear. So, okay. So totally like, this is the time for, you know, sometimes a fantasy is what you need. <laughs> okay. Well, I do have, I do have some hits. There's only one that see, I put a, I put a rule in for myself about, uh, and this is why I didn't answer your question earlier. I put a rule in for myself that there needed to be, um, some kind of math involved and uh, even distribution, which is something that I sometimes get hung up on when I'm making like compilations and things like that, or that I used to when I would make shit on cassette. Um, I would always lean towards uniformity. uh, So that's a problem I have. So uh, you might notice that there's very even weight uh, on, on my list between albums. So, and I'm and I'm just very selfish. Put... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I, yeah, I I think I think it'll be enjoyable. I mean, oh, there's so... there's enough in there that would be for me where I'm like, okay, but I also try to be fair about like you know, whoever I might bring with me. I'm assuming it would be Megan. Hope hope she'd want to come. Oh yeah, oh yeah, and uh, this has actually been sidebar. This has been one of the better uh, preps. For an episode for Mara, uh, this was much better than when a year ago I was prepping for Wasp, and it. Was I was just gonna say, just... was it that dude that has no ass? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes. When we were talking about Blackie, Blackie's Blackie Lawless's asshole, oh, yes, that was a that was a rough couple weeks for her, but this one she actually kind of enjoyed. So, say good. Try to pepper these in now and then because she's a keeper. You you can't oh, yeah. you can't keep subjecting her shit like the Crimson Idol. Yeah. I don't know why I even <laughs> fucking know that. <laughs> I don't, I, that's the thing I retained that and the dude's ass. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, Thanks, Sly I, Dog. I mean, she she loves me enough that she's going to go to a Jimmy Buffett show with me. So that, that'll be. Uh... Lord. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, yeah, I've been converted to Parahead now. Uh, that's. Uh, I, I, I've heard. That's another podcast. Your, your, your dive was deep. Oh, I am. I am 17 albums into a 30 album discography. Good Lord in heaven. And I'm good. I'm going to get them all before the show all the, the show in uh, May. So that's, that's my goal. Wow. All right. So good luck and good luck, Mara. <laughs> um, uh, so yeah, you ready to get into these? I am. Well, real quick. I, last thing I had, how many crossovers mm. do you think we're going to have? Uh, 
three. Three? I, I, mm-hmm. I, th- I think that's about right. And there's one I I feel confident that we have one that's going to be in exactly the same place. So we'll see if I'm right about that. Ooh, interesting. Okay. All right. So <laughs> because what, you know I, I give a lot of thought to that as well. So all right. So what's what's your what's your opening number for your Billy Dream Billy Joel set list? Uh opening number is an opening number that I've seen him do. Now I place a lot of importance on opening numbers. Uh and I as I looked at my list, I was like, man, I, I don't know that anything would really hit me as much as this hit me when I saw him do it. Uh and I love it every time, and it's a matter of trust. One, two, one, two, three, four. Is just a lie of the heart. The remains what began with a start. And they may not want it to end. But it will is just a question. I uh, I tend not to gravitate towards the singles, but that's a song that, oh man, gets me every time. It's just, you know, uh, it, it, the melody and just, you know, the the power and the vocals. Just what a kick-ass opener, you know. And uh, the only unfortunate thing is he'd probably be playing guitar. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you might have to witness that at some point, but um, gets it out of the way early, you know. Yeah. I, I already said we, we didn't start the fire was not going to be part of this. Here's a little here's a little bit of history that your listeners won't give a shit about, but you might. Um, in 1990, I bought my first four track cassette recorder uh, on layaway. And the day I got it, my friend drove me to get it. I had like the rest of the money, picked it up and we went back to his house. He was a drummer. And we recorded three songs to test out the multi-track. We did Free Fallen. We did, oh man, can't remember the, oh, uh, Down Easter Alexa. Mm. And We Didn't Start the Fire, uh, where we traded off vocals uh, phrase by phrase. Uh, So that was the start of my my multi-tracking career that lasted, you know, through high school and my 20s. Uh, and which has been uh, MIA for you know about about twenty years now, but that's how that's how important Billy Joel was to me, you know, like that's how I was obsessed with those songs. So having said that, I've already said that we didn't start the fire will not be part of my set list, so we might not get another guitar song. So enjoy this opening guitar song while it's there. Matter of trust, number one slot. Great choice. Uh, this is a hell. This is a that's a hell of an opener. And I do agree with you. It's always strange when, like, I see a video of him playing this and he's playing guitar. Like, mm-hmm. it's, like it's, I don't know, something about it, like, I mean, he, he's a multi-talented guy, but it, he's the piano man. Come on. It's, yeah. it's, a, yeah. it's a, a little strange, but this yeah. I, I mean, this I mean, everybody, everybody swears he's not plugged in, which is probably the case. I, I, I never quite hear what I'm seeing, but he is, like, from the footage I've seen, he's playing the right chords. He's, like, he's doing it right. Right. You know, but... Right, he's, he's, he's acting like 
yeah, he's acting like he's actually playing it. So exactly, I know, it's it's exactly. probably just really low in the mix. Um, yeah, yeah, and I love could be an whole... energy thing too. Like you know, and so you, a, a different energy when you're playing a guitar, and you know, it kind of brings like a more fo- forceful vocal out of you. you oh know, yeah, at least the way I'm kind of thinking about it now. So yeah, could be could be something like that too. And that's another thing I love about it. I love his vocal on it. It's very like mm-hmm. he's got a great rock voice for all the ballads he's done. He's got a lot of nice like grit he can lean into. Some love is just a lie of the heart. Like so cool. That's why I picked it so I could get an isolated vocal from you. <laughs> awesome. He's he's also a great um a great impersonator. Yeah, uh, there's oh a, yeah. One of the shows from 1976, The Bottom Line, that I was talking about before, um, he does a bit of Still Crazy After All These Years. I think Jungle Land's in there. Uh, he'll often do a bit of uh, You Are So Beautiful, Joe Cocker. Um, and back in the back in the pre-Stranger days, that was kind of like a part of the act, that he would like yeah. play these. Uh, one of the shows I have from 76, he's doing Let Him In by Wings. So, uh, and, and I think does the whole song, if I remember correctly, which is weird. Uh, because this was just kind of like a fleeting thing where like if he was going to the the Fender Roads, he'd, you know, do still crazy after all these years before going into uh, into James, you know, it, right. the, these kind of like vignettes through the show. So, yeah, super fun. And, and it's one of the reasons I love him as a vocalist. He still kind of does that. He like I even watched some videos from the, like literally the last show mm-hmm. he did a couple weeks ago. And he mm-hmm. was doing a uh, lawyers, guns, and money by Warren Zevon, and he was putting on. Oh wow! He was putting on the deep Warren Zevon voice, <laughs> and it was just spot on. Just, yeah, so cool. And see, some... he's he's in the year, the later years now, where he's got to go to the deeper impersonations. Yep, <laughs> the, the the obscure ones. Uh, mm-hmm. And there is one impersonation that is so spot on, I actually don't like it, and that's his Bob Dylan uh, impersonation for uh, "To Make You Feel My Love." <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and, ugh. Yeah, I I I concur. Yeah, it, it's perfect, but it's <laughs> that's the reason I don't like it. <laughs> yeah, I'm not I'm I'm famously not a Dylan guy, but there are songs that I've absolutely loved that I've heard artists play that I later discovered were Dylan, which made me realize that just like I kind of feel like every song could be bettered by somebody else. Unless you tell me like Billy Joel is not the case. Billy Joel is the exception. I probably yeah. have not listened to that in since I first bought that greatest hits three CD, oh, wow. I, yeah, I never, ever probably listened to it in prep for one of our episodes, but yeah, no more than two or three times. Just, yeah. Oh, Yikes. yeah. Good choice. Uh, I'm going to start kick us off with, uh, I'm going literally to the first album. I'm going to go with everybody loves you now. All the lights turned on you Now you're in the center of the stage Everything revolves on what you do Loves you now. 
Uh, I feel like this would be a good propulsive opener and it might catch a lot of people off guard in a good way because this is usually like a, it's an early set song, maybe song three or four, but mm -hmm. opening with that, you know, just that acoustic guitar and like just going right into it, just so fun. And this one really first jumped out at me when I heard on Songs in the Attic. It's a, uh, and it's a great song to start with because it's a song about lyrically, it's about someone that's captured a lot of people's attention. And that's what Billy has just done by coming on stage. So yeah, mm -hmm. everybody loves you. Yeah, lyrically, it totally fits. Yeah. And I don't think he's ever opened with it. He's played it early in the set, but never, it's usually like after a couple songs. So I yeah, decided to move it all the way up remember. front. And yep, what a, yep. what a vocal, what a vocal. Have you seen the video for this? There's like a video that kind of just surfaced over the last few years from like the yep. Cold Spring Harbor days. How so insane weird. is that video? Right? Man. Yeah, I was like... Love it. Love he it. Look, he looks like Paul McCartney in that video. Right. He really looks like Paul McCartney. It's strange. Yep. And sounds like him in other songs on that album. Yep. You, do you ever warm yeah. up to Cold Spring Harbor or no? Uh, who, me? Yeah. I've always loved Cold Spring Harbor. Okay. Yeah, Cold Spring Harbor got me from one of the first few listens. It it and it could have just been where my fandom was at that point. But yeah, I I not only that, I bought mobile copies of the original vinyl, trying to oh. speed correct them and all that shit. I'm a fucking geek, son. Wow. That that's freaking incredible. <laughs> I, I think you win the Billy Joel fandom award. Well, I, I'm I'm definitely not the biggest fan, but I, I'm 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 more passionate than a lot of them, but that I, that's probably any fandom I'm into. Yeah. Yeah. I would, I, I would love to hear this one live when, when I see him, this is probably like a, there's a maybe like 30% chance he might decide to throw this one in when I see him. Uh, Cause he's, he's still really, cause he was, he was doing it all the time, but, but the set lists sometime, like I said, 2006 was great. And we were going maybe towards like, 30 songs and now we're kind of dwindling down to like 22 23 which is considerable um and, and there's not like a whole lot of change and if there is it's stuff that's been done a lot the last few years which is kind of my problem with billy joel live one of the problems band being uh, another part of that <laughs> but uh but yeah yeah i don't know yeah no it seems like it, go it goes in and out so depends on what he decides to put in that night but yeah great yeah. song yeah interesting yeah it was just one that i just always it was just always there for a while i guess once they started just like cutting the length then that started to to go out more often and eh, that blows well i hope you get it yep what you got for number two number two uh i'm a big second song uh during a live show enthusiast and uh one of my favorite segues is the segue on wings over america from rock show into jet rock show ends and the drum beat to jet starts playing and then all of a sudden jet starts so the way i'm envisioning this it's liberty on drums of course of course uh, and matter of trust is going to die off but you're going to start to hear the drums to pressure which is the second song in the set is that what yes. you uh, thought it would be <laughs> yes and that's my number two as well Just like 
can't remember what show it is it was one of the shows and i've had many uh where i think pressure was second and he did the thing where he was kind of like running to to the different keyboards and kind of extending that bit out and vamping on it was really i love when a second song does that like you know what's coming and it's just like they're just teasing you with it it's so good so yeah pressure one of my absolute favorite fucking songs and live goddamn Oh man, it's it's so good. It really is. This one just crushes live. Mm. Like like the, it has a maniacal energy live. Like one of the things I love about this song is there's little moments where the drums just get subtly a little faster. Yes, like literally just ups the tempo just a little bit, and mm-hmm. it's not immediately obvious. But when you catch it, you're like, oh, that's why you get like. To me, the song totally embodies what the lyrics are about. Like, like musically, the anxiety is in the like right there. Mm-hmm. So like it really it. it really captures it. And then Billy just doing those like aggressive vocals again. And th- and of course, like you said, that keyboard riff, that little evil carnival riff as I call it. So so cool. I loved watching Live on Long Island last time when he went from the piano and like ran down the ramps to the um, yep. the electric piano and just starts hammering it out. Just so cool. Yeah, it's great. One of the other things um is uh, uh, this is the first Billy Joel video I remember seeing on MTV. I don't know. I don't know if they ever showed the Glass Houses videos back in the day. I I don't think they did. Uh, by the time 1981 had come around, they they might have shown like uh, one of the live. Maybe not even that. I think Pressure might have even been the first video of his MTV showed. Wow. Uh, regardless, it's the first one that I saw. And for me, that's where Billy Joel became a video dude. You know, because of the Glass House videos or performances with live vocals, uh, yeah. which is amazing and another kind of cool collectible. But um, yeah, I, I totally lost my train of thought. Yeah, no, that's going a, off on a Pressure uh, a- Tangent. That, that's a great video. I remember catching that on VH1 Classic one morning mm-hmm. and just being like, like kind of surprised by like, that was the first time I heard that song. Uh, like I, 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 I was still on The Stranger at that point. I hadn't moved to Nylon Curtain yet. I was like, ooh, this is a little, it's a little darker, a little, yeah. a little more serious. So yeah, yeah, great, great song. And, and I yeah. love the opening in the video. Like, is that the one where like the cartoon piano kind of like. Right. In? So, so is that on it shows up somewhere and in other places it doesn't. The first time that I'd seen it, it was on the video album, which I was ta- telling you about earlier. And then later on, there was like a, a compilation of videos that came out and it wasn't on there. Huh. And when Rick and I got together, like we were kind of talking through stuff and our conversations are always stuff like, what about that, that animated stuff at the beginning of Pressure? Isn't that weird? Where did that come from? And if you look at it, it doesn't look like him then. Uh, it looked more like him during 
like the the post innocent man mm. hairdo wise even though it's an animation so i get the impression that might have been something that was done as a linking piece for the video album in 1986 7 whenever it came out um because yeah it just it's a it's a weird thing and mtv did not show it with that the first time that i ever saw that was when i rented the vhs so yeah it's just one of those weird weird things but it's it's the quote that he he always gives about writer's block is like you're staring at the the monster with 88 teeth and the animation is the monster with 88 teeth coming to life and consuming him before the video for pressure so yeah it just and also just crazy that it just related to this quote that he's very famous for saying so it, it it's it's a mystery to me like where that came from and why it's there you know just one of those yeah one of those fan oddities that people just talk about and then put online for other such people to listen to right for the weirdos like us <laughs> mm -hmm. All right. yeah it's me you and brian lennon exactly <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I was right. We had the same number two. So uh, what's your number three? Oh, yeah. Number three, okay. Uh, we're going to bring it down for the third track. I think I'm going to get a grimace from you because the third song is Honesty. If you search for tenderness, it isn't hard to find. You can have the love you need to live But if you look for truthfulness You might just as well be blind It always seems to be so hard to give Honesty for me I, i've grown to like it now <laughs> okay i i i didn't you know it's i didn't obviously was not going to go in the all greatest hits direction although there are enough of them on here but honesty i just think it, if i'm going for ballads i'm picking that over some of the more obvious ones yeah um it could be that it, you know it was a staple of fm radio when i was a kid i might have that kind of soft spot for it but uh, yeah, I kind of like uh, going into a ballad at this spot, and I think it's kind of this way on the Russian album. Um, if not, it, it might be second uh, or yeah, third. Second. No, I think it's it is second. third. Is it second? It's second. It's right after Angry Young Man. Okay. Yeah, I was, for some reason I was thinking Allentown, but that comes later. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so it's it's the kind of thing I always kind of relate it to coming early because of that album. Um, so yeah, honesty. Very nice. I. As a kid, it was I found it sappy, but now, now I like his vocal on it a lot, and it is a well-written mm -hmm. song. Like, I, I don't think it's my favorite ballad, but it's not one I actively dislike. You know, yeah, there, there, there is, there there are songs I I would much much more dread than that one, and I would actually be surprised to hear him play this one because it seems like this one kind of has slipped by the wayside. Like, it's not one that gets a lot of attention anymore. So, good pick. Yeah. Yeah, there, there are definitely going to be songs in here that have not gotten a lot of attention. That was also part of my thought process here. You know, 
kind of fun sidebar like billy joel in a way like there are artists elton john's another one they have so many hits that you can't do them all in a set you just can't right. unless unless you're just going to bombard people with like a full hit set but then you're not really playing anything for yourself so mm-hmm. i think this is one that kind of like maybe gets forgotten a little bit even though it was a big hit yeah yeah Agreed. so before my number three we get billy joel's first interaction with the audience he talks a bit mentions that it's going to be a night of songs that you may or may not know um and this one that you probably do know so my number three after a little piano interlude we get the stranger but it keeps that same energy from the first two. I've always loved the lyrics to this one, and I like Billy's uh, falsetto delivery in the pre-chorus. Um, mm-hmm. I had a hard time figuring out where to put this one in the set, but I think it sits nicely with the high energy part, but you got the beginning to kind of simmer down a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. Usually I, comes pretty early when it's when it's in there. Yep. Yeah, uh, I, I love this one. It's, I think it's one of his like most straight-ahead rockers. Uh, again, Liberty's great on the drums. Uh, mm-hmm. not frequently played anymore mm-hmm. but it does pop up from time to time yeah yeah very very seldomly which is a shame because it's it's you know it's, it's weird how some of the hits from that album come and go but some of the lesser hits on that album have right. stuck around show after show which is weird to me um, I'm sure we'll get further into that as we you know go down the track list but yeah very cool. What's your number yes. four? My number four, we're going to uh, go a little deeper into the catalog and get out of the ballad territory with Los Angelinos.
one of my absolute absolute favorites and i think it's a good uh, a good moment to to pick the show back up and yeah i i just i've always loved this it's one that i i i think it got a live performance maybe once recently semi-recently yeah um i can't quite remember i look i look these things up now and then uh but haven't done so in in a few months but yeah uh i would i would have loved to have seen this love yeah, this, los angeles man this song just kind of explodes with that like especially on the songs in the attic album where mm-hmm. he start like with that that drum hit and then he's playing the is it a fender Rhodes? i don't know some electric piano i think whatever, it is yeah whatever he's playing there and then the get 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 and then it just kind of explodes into that groove mm-hmm. uh so cool like yeah this this is one i i always loved when it came on and i was listening to the cassette it, it didn't make mine it's it's on my honorable mention list but mm-hmm. yeah this was pretty close to making it like this I know this is kind of the song of the people that leave the Midwest and move to the West Coast. You know, this is this is kind of our jam. So right, yeah. right. So yeah. Oh, that's awesome. I absolutely cannot blame you. And I think this is another one. Uh, there were a bunch of videos from the songs in the attic era. Yeah. Um, that were there were performance videos, but they were different performances than what's on the album. And I think this is one of them. Yep, they were recorded uh, in a club called Sparks, I believe. That's that's uh, what it is. I couldn't remember the name of the, the club. It, black and white footage um it's another one of those mysteries like why do those four songs exist what were they filmed for they have slates so if they were shown where were they shown uh and then two of them show up on the video albums and then the two other ones show up later and then rick and i our heads explode uh so we've always wondered if like there was more out there and what this was uh, we've always been fascinated with these these little videos, and those are great performances. That's that's the oh, band yeah. at a peak. Between that and live in Long Island, like that little pocket, just to have as much video as we do of that band. Oh man, so good, so good, so so incredibly tight. Release the yeah. full spark show, damn it! <laughs> if there is oh, a full spark show, there is. I I have a like a set it's one of the worst sounding shows uh but but also you know it's a shame you can't trust setlist.fm because as as a resource i love it but as a monkeys enthusiast and and wannabe author um i remember certain things about the shows i've seen and there's dude that just goes through and like just takes like one set list from 1987 and pastes it in every day And I like commented, I was like, I, I know this is wrong. You know, I was I was there. The set list changed months later. But like, and then I went through and, and this dude just did it for like every goddamn monkey show. So the Billy Joel, uh, his set lists from back in the day are very sporadic. But, um, and I've seen some that, that kind of look a little off. The ones around uh, Glass Houses are weird because you know he's recording those songs for the the upcoming live album, yeah. but they're not like mainstays in in all of the sets that I've seen. Right, so yeah. I, you know, it's interesting. Like I wonder if uh, he was like, okay, up tonight maybe let's try Streetlight Serenade or see if, see if how that sounds, which is actually a sound check on the Songs in the Attic album. Interesting. Um, yeah uh there's a there's a bootleg called songs from the backyard which is like a reel of possible stuff that they were going to use and street life serenade and billy the kid i think also were taken from sound checks and and they're 
exactly the same as on songs in the attic uh, ever, so yeah uh, so that was a tangent did you ever check out the live through the years digital release that came out no uh what was it just like a compilation compilation of live stuff kind of uh it's stuff from that was recorded around the glass houses tour some stuff from the river of dreams tour some stuff from uh live in long island but it's all audio like there's like sleeping with the television on this is official right no it's official it's official he just only put it out digitally what's it called uh I think it's just called uh, Live Through the Years. I just was listening to it on YouTube. Let me pull it up to get the exact name. Yeah, yeah I was, I, I saw, because I, like, I was like, he, he announced it a few years ago and I was like, oh, come on, give us a physical release. And I kind of got angry and ignored it, but I was like, no oh, wait. I was like, oh yeah, that's a thing. Let me listen to it before this podcast. And Wow, somehow I totally missed this. So it doesn't, uh, one to two, card- oh, nah. Live through the years, okay. yeah. Yeah, it's got, yeah, Vienna, Get It Right the First Time, Summer Highland Falls, Sleeping with the Television On, yeah, there's... Yeah, see, some of these were on the Stranger box set. Um, okay. So when you were saying when you were saying 1977, I was like, holy shit, what? It, it does interest me that there's stuff from Live from Long Island on there, because it would be the first audio release of that stuff. Um, the rest of them were, you know, kind of here and there. Nothing really crazy, really? Um, but it is nice to have the uh, sleeping with the television on because that was only on the digital. Uh, was it the iTunes release? I think Twelve Gardens was one of those where, depending on where you bought it online, you got different live bonus tracks. I think all in all, there were like six, maybe. Is that where that version's from? Sleeping with the television on, yeah. Yeah, interest. I did not know that. Okay. Yeah, it says on the website. Uh, hmm. that it's taken from the the digital release of 12 gardens okay that's crazy yeah i, I totally missed that um yeah. i don't know that there's enough on there to to make me severely interested in it but uh it's definitely a curiosity well if you're bored and need something to stream on title there you go yeah i, I would totally listen to that yeah cool yeah i and I, I just wish that would get a physical release because i think that'd be fun to have it'd be fun to listen yeah to. agreed that's just me but yeah, great pick, Los Angelinos. Uh, I'm gonna yeah. go. I'm gonna go with a technically a slightly newer song um, coming out of the mellower Stranger. We're gonna go for something that's got kicks in the drums a bit. I go to Extremes from Stormfront. <laughs>
I love this song. Um, I love the mm -hmm. piano. He takes a little piano solo in it, which is awesome. And I love that. Um, to me, this song is a great snapshot of who Billy is as a person, I think, just based on mm -hmm. the interviews I've seen with him and the way he talks about himself. I feel like this is probably one of his most honest, like, self-reflections he's written. And it's done in such a fun, catchy way. Like, it really moves and it just sounds so cool live like even on that uh live at yankee stadium we were talking about earlier even on that one it's yeah that's that's a highlight on there so yeah, yeah love this one yeah this is, extremes this is part of mine as well uh further down the list um but uh yeah i completely agree this is the song that Stormfront should really be remembered for. It's such a kick-ass song. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I, I do have a tendency to get burned out on singles, and I have a tendency to prefer the earlier half of the catalog. But goddamn, this is this is like a diamond right at the, almost at the end. What a, you know, and, and his deep cuts that you kind of think of as like, or or I do at least, aren't really rockers for the most part. Man, I guess I take that back. I just think of like the more middle of the road stuff that I usually like listen to by him. It's not a lot of like really, um, really upbeat stuff like that. But yeah, this one just always, I've always loved it. Never went through a period where I got sick of it. And that's saying a lot for the, the eighties portion of the catalog in the early nineties. Yep. Yeah. I, I will say my one gripe with your, uh, two of your Billy Joel episodes that you've done is I think you were a little hard on Stormfront, but that's just my opinion. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, no, I, I prefer that much to River of Dreams, very much over River of Dreams, like miles ahead of it. Yeah, I can't remember how I ranked them compared to each other, but neither of them really have. I, I'll never go to either of them, probably for the rest of my life, unless for research. You know, I, if I'm in the mood to listen to Billy Joel, it's usually not even an album. I'm putting on like a live show or right. a bunch of them, you know, in a day. So nice. Yeah, no, I, I don't know if it's just like nostalgic because I used to listen to the tape so much, but that one I don't mm -hmm. mind. I, I, I do think it's not as strong as like to me, the golden period is Cold Spring Harbor to Nylon Curtain. That is mm -hmm. like a damn near perfect run of albums. I'll I'll co-sign on that. Yes, yeah. but I, I do. I don't know. I, ha I have a soft spot for Stormfront. It does kind of fall off ex other than one song after Leningrad, but I, I enjoy please that. tell me this please tell me the song is and so it goes yes okay yes that that well, that's we we have that yeah and that should that, that was that was technically written for the nylon curtain i think it was so we talk about that in the episode that was one of my picks and also uh rick uh, just hates that song and i was heartbroken he was the last <laughs> person i saw before before the pandemic uh, we recorded that Billy Joel episode on, it was either the Thursday or Friday that was like the last day I was in the office. And he was the last person I saw for a long, long time, just sitting talking shit about Billy Joel. Yeah. Um, but he was like, uh, he, he took me to task for And So It Goes. I was very upset. I haven't spoken to him since. <laughs> um, yeah, I take this stuff personally. I think that song's a goddamn masterpiece. Mm. I'll, I'll talk about it more later, but yeah, just. All right. <laughs> Yeah, take right, that, uh, Rick. All right, what's your uh, number five? My number five. So um, we are going from Los Angelinos, keeping the energy up. And it is going to be the song that uh, I saw played in Philly back in 2006. 
and it is all for Lena. have been it was the video album that did it for me like that second song uh just uh, man what a yeah it was a great way and, and having this album as a kid i i knew the song enough um but like when i saw the video i was like oh man like this is this is smoking what a goddamn perfect song and it's you know uh, just a great song about like obsession and shit you know that is to me the ultimate uh teenage in love and lust song like mm -hmm. we, we all felt like that at like 16 17 there was a girl we felt like that about we just couldn't get off our minds this isn't mine too it's a bit later on but yeah i love this song man the overheim solo the electric piano um whole thing smokes it yeah it just rips and i'm glad he still plays this live occasionally this goes in and out it's one of the ones that yeah. kind of rotates but uh it's just such a fun song and i'm surprised it wasn't a big big hit because it fits with the the other singles really well i think on that album yeah like it it's such a fun song was it I, wasn't released everywhere though was it i i don't i'm not sure that it was a u.s single i have oh, a i have it? a japanese single of it i think okay maybe um, that's what it was because i know it was a single i just maybe it wasn't a u.s single yeah and, and i could be wrong on that i don't collect billy joel like i collect a lot of stuff but um, I seem to recall that that might have just been a. I know, I know, I own a Japanese single of it. I think, um, but yeah, oh man, just a great performance. And and Billy doing some more over the top vocals. You know, my old man screaming, "Stop!" Yep, <laughs> kidding yourself. Ugh, such a drop. Problem. Yeah, so fun. Yeah, so check fun. out the video if, if you haven't. Oh yeah. man, crazy just, eyes, crazy eyes, Billy yeah. Joel popping up. Dude was uh, goddamn insane. Yeah, I, I, I really hope this is one like I've got my fingers crossed. Like, I feel like there's two songs in the set that I feel like it's going to be either this one or one I'll talk about later that ends up making it in. Uh, so so we'll see. Yeah. Okay. Great, great song. Um, yeah, that one. All right, so my number five, um, I, I know this usually opened a lot of shows, but I decided to move it to the fifth spot. Uh, Prelude, Angry Young Man from Turnstiles. It's a place in the world 
but the angry young man With his working class ties and his radical plans He refuses to bend, he refuses to crawl He's always at home with his back to the wall He's battled with scars and the battles he's lost He struggles and bleeds as he hangs on the cross And he likes to be known as the angry young man Give a moment or two to the angry young man With his foot in his mouth and his heart in his hand If you stab on the back, he's been misunderstood To cover the no, his intentions are good He's just in a room with a lock on the door With his back to his nails laid out on the floor And he likes to be known as the angry young man um, I thought it'd be a nice little like change of pace um, And I've seen set list words even like place at something like number nine Which is crazy to yeah. me yeah, it always seems. Yeah, it it it's it's always weird when it comes somewhere else. But um, yeah, yeah, it, it it's just always a surprise. Yeah, I, I remember I, somebody when I was a kid. Uh, I don't even know why this ever came up, but my neighbor, who I talk about Billy Joel with once in a while, said something like, uh, "Overseas, he usually opens with Angry Young Man," which is something that I like carried with me. For some reason all my life i don't think it's an across the board thing but i did notice it as well like as i started to collect i was like oh it's a show from london and he's opening with angry young man again. Yeah. um but yeah it's uh you know yeah it's a tough one to slot I, I, i'm not going to give away any spoilers but um yeah we might we might hear more about this later yeah uh, another drum workout i love the Billy's like piano like speedy intro like I love watching video of that too I love watching him do that and because it, it sounds when you hear it it sounds like like wow that's got to be complicated it's just like two fingers and just so 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 cool um I the first time I heard this was uh when I got that Bridge to Russia album and I hadn't heard the only pre uh Stranger stuff I'd heard had been on Songs of the Attic at that point so when I heard this I was like oh my god I I need turnstiles now like holy shit this song is like is incredible yep. and then i heard turnstiles and the version on there does not live up to the russia concert very version. very sparse very a lot faster yeah, yeah a lot faster but I, I feel like that album has a weird production too it's just like it's never quite sounded right to me um but I, i'm no audiophile uh yeah <clears throat> but yeah um i i have the same memory as you there because when i saw it on hbo in 87 as a 14 year old um and he opened with that i did not know the song it was not on my radar at all um so uh it must have been after this that i had like the conversation about it with my neighbor probably because this is what drew me in so seeing seeing the show open with that and just that shot of him like from the back starting to play it i was yeah. like god damn man this dude does kind of kick ass like right and wow and then the song just kept going on and i was like how did i not know that song like how is that not like played on the radio at least when i was a kid i never heard it you know so yeah love it and and yeah it, it's good anywhere it's a nice surprise when it comes in the middle of a set you know yep for sure love it all right what's yeah. your number six my number six is a song that um way too often is at the end of the show and if I was going by this completely selfish rules, it would not be in there at all. Um, but this is a song that he, I don't think he'd be able to get away without playing, and it's Piano Man.
nine o'clock on a Saturday A regular crowd shuffles in There's an old man sitting next to me Making love to his tonic and gin I'm not really sure how it goes But it's sad and it's sweet and I knew it complete When I wore a younger man's clothes La 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 Sing us a song, you're the piano man Sing us a song tonight Well, we're all in the mood for a melody And you've got us feeling all right uh, I'm throwing it early in the set a la Live in Long Island, which is where I feel like it belongs. Um, it's usually when, uh, on all like the 70s bootlegs, it comes fairly early. And it hitting the end wasn't something that happened, you know, towards until like the last couple album tours. Uh, so, yeah, getting it out of the way, Piano Man. Not that I don't enjoy it, but, you know, I don't know that it would necessarily be what I'd pick if I was right. being selfish like you. Yeah. <laughs> about uh, it. I, I, I dig this song. I dig it. It's, it's kind of funny. I've never heard it on the radio. Ever. I've heard. What? I don't know what it is. I've heard other songs of his on the radio. I've heard Just the Way You Are. I've heard uh, Only the Good Die Young seemed to be much loved by the classic rock station where I grew up. But I, mm-hmm. the first time I heard this was watching the beginning of that Essential Video Collection. and That's this, crazy to me. I, I don't have burnout factor for this song. I just think it's a fun song. And then it just happens that the rest of the world knows this song is kind yeah. of how, how I feel about it. And then, so it was something I would go to on my dad's... Uh, greatest hits volume one and two cassette like that's mm-hmm. where i would go to hear it so yeah i i have no dislike for this one it's not in my set list but i dig it great tune yeah right. then then you'd be happy at my show for the most yeah. part and i'd be like okay nice surprise like because that would make me think ooh, uh right. like he's he's put that there only good things mm-hmm. can come come now <laughs> right so. and and i will give a slight spoiler i have some planned segues so they might come into play as we go on. So if there is one, I will mention it at the beginning of the next song right. as to what it's coming out of. All right. So, so far we've had a pretty tight, intense first five songs at my show. I'm going to mm-hmm. bring the energy down a little bit. One of my favorite ballads, You're My Home from Piano Man. When you look into my eyes And you see the crazy gypsy in my soul It always comes as a surprise When I feel my withered roots begin to grow Well, I never had a place that I could call my very own But that's all right, my love, cause you're my home When you touch my weary head And you tell 
everything will be alright You say use my body for your bed And my love will keep you warm through all the nights Well I'll never be a stranger and I'll never be alone Forever we're together, that's my home songs in the attic um nice. it's just so pretty uh again it's got some cool piano work on this one another solo uh you know, some people might find this one cheesy but i love the line you know home is just another word for you it's such a pretty little song and I, i'm kind of surprised this wasn't a big hit i feel like this would have fit right in on 70s radio you know we talk about him being the sound of 70s radio and th this song is made for that it's a little more country on the studio mm -hmm. album uh yeah. than that whole album is really twangy yeah, the, the, uh, that that album and uh, Street Life Serenade are yeah. very twangy. I wonder if it was being on the West Coast and, you know, the West Coast sound, the Eagles, Poco, stuff like right. that. I wonder if that influenced that sound. But yeah, I, lo I love this song. Great, great, great ballad and one of my favorites of his. Yeah, agreed. Um, I, I completely lost my train of thought. I was going somewhere <laughs> about that song. God, it's at the Spark Show. There's a, there's a version from the Spark Show, right? Right. Um, yeah. So this is this is one I I saw live. Never thought I would. Uh, and it is interesting that you mentioned that because yeah, I, I would think that this song. In fact, this would probably be the single I'd push first from Piano Man if I yeah. wanted to get on FM radio. Like, and even you know the whole issue with Piano Man being too long and having to be cut down to three oh five and that whole entire story like this would have I, I i feel like this would have put him on the map a lot earlier because it it just completely yeah it completely fits in with that era like you know uh it just like the 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 thing i love that those guitars are so lilting it's yeah. a tough that's a tough thing like i've tried to like emulate that as a uh, an amateur musician and it's just like it, it's such a delicate kind of like high on the fretboard uh thing they're doing in in harmony and the piano doing like incredible things which might be simplistic but hit against those guitars just like perfectly in the arrangement um real good i i i, I don't give this song the credit it deserves but when i do hear it every time i'm like yeah god damn that is a that is a good little tune there you know I must commend you for the way you described it. Lilting guitars. That is perfect. Spot on. Well, yeah. It, it's, it, it's exactly what it is to me. Like I can, I can totally like just envision sound right now. It's, it's so crazy. Yeah. Uh, just, uh, and, and even the, the live version on, uh, at Sparks, same kind of deal. Like they're, they're, I think they're both playing it on, on acoustics yep. and uh, yeah, man, it sounds so good. Um, I would uh, definitely prefer the, the live versions to the studio as well. Yeah. There's, there's only one exception to that for songs on songs in the attic versus the studio versions. There's only one exception for me. <laughs> Where you would take the, the studio first. Yeah. Only one. I would, take, <coughs> I, I think the guitars on Captain Jack on Piano Man are a little crunchier mm, just yeah, a good point that's the only one uh, the rest you're, yeah. you're just trying to take away the song that was recorded in philly <laughs> that i didn't even think about that <laughs> yeah and that was the whole thing um he wouldn't perform right. captain jack and he would only perform it in philly and i remember there was some kind of sports game going on um 
I'm I'm not that guy. But like I remember he came out for the encore at one of the shows and he uh said something like, you know, final score is such and such. Good work, Philly. And then went right into Piano Man. And Rick and I were just freaking the fuck out. Like, it was just like, it's true. It's true. He only plays it in Philly. And now he <laughs> plays it a bit more. Uh, or he did, you know, once the once the tours went on, he started playing a little bit more. But we did see it in the pocket where it was only played in Philly. So I feel very fortunate for that. Interesting. Um, but yeah, it's, that, it's that was not part of this. So yeah, yeah, I'll I'll, I'll save my last one on Capture Jack for later. But uh, okay, yep. <laughs> what what's your uh, what's your number seven? My number seven. Okay, so this is the first segue. Um, Piano Man is in the key of C. Um, so you are winding down Piano Man with the closing den den den, right into Prelude, Angry Young Man, hitting on that C yeah. and just. Right into it. Segway into the motherfucker. Hell yeah. Yeah, I did oh. work here. Oh, that would oh, that, that, that would be incredible. Mm-hmm. That's the kind of thing that I feel like bands don't do enough of. Yeah. Like there, there were, even when it's subtle, when there's a band that just like throws two songs into like this kind of like weird kind of medley. Uh, or just like, why did, that's weird that they did that, but they only did it for like one tour and then never did it that way again. Like that's the kind of stuff I appreciate, and uh, bands don't do enough of that kind of stuff. Right, little fun, little seamless things that that happen. Like, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. I've just forgotten all of them now. They've all left my head. But I, like, like sticks would do stuff like that. Too. Oh yeah, yeah. So very cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like I said, that... the Detroit Rock City and the King of the Nighttime World. You know, even even that. You oh, know, yeah. just like, you know, bow, it, it's bow, bow, right, right. When you do it that way. When you do it that way, you are attributing the album that it came from as well, which, you know, I think is just kind of like an added an added thing. Um, so, like, whenever you get, like, a segue that's the same way on the album, or even if it's, you know, something created for, the, like, that tour, I'm totally into it. So I tried to throw, like, a couple of those in. Um, but, yeah, uh, we, we talked about it, so I don't know that there's much more I can say. But Prelude, Angry Young Man, taking number seven spot. Very nice. Uh, yeah, I talked about it too. So I'm, I'm just going to go to my number seven. We're going to get get a little weird. Um, Billy introduces this one as a song some people love, others hate. Um, this is a song he's, that... He's going to do Honey Don't? <laughs> no. Uh, this is uh, honestly in my top three Billy Joel songs. I love this song so much. Laura from the Nylon Curtain. Oh. Thank 
Yes. This is so good. Right? It's just yes. trippy. I love the push and pull of it. Like the verses are all kind of mm. dreamy. And then all of a sudden, like the, if you can call it a chorus, I call it the nightmare section, you know, living alone isn't all that it's cracked up to be. It gets a little yeah. minor key that it's become a bad trip. Um, mm -hmm. I love this song. And it's something that like, it's changed with me over the years. Like when I heard it as a kid, the first time I was like, is he in love with a robot? Cause like, I took the lyrics very literally, you know, then these careless fingers, they get caught in her vice. Like, what does that even mean? Mm -hmm. And then later I was able to connect to it because I had someone in my life that is exactly like the person he's describing in the song. Um, so yeah, I, I love it. And I think it sounds good live, like on that 12 gardens album. Mm. I think the band sounds great playing it. Oh, um, yeah. They know how to bring this dreamy little Beatles esque pop tune to life. And the guitar solo was great. And man, I remember being shocked the first time I listened to it because uh, my dad's music, I loved it, but it seemed like swearing was taboo in most of it. Like that wasn't a thing that happened a lot. And then all of a sudden, here I am feeling like a fucking fool. Wait, wait, what? Yep. Did the guy that sings just the way you are just say fuck? Yeah, I remember like that. That was that was the the thing when I bought the album as a kid. It was like, whoa, like I have this. Like, how did am I allowed to have this? What's going on? This is but but it became like this is the song Billy Joel says fuck on, and it's the B side <laughs> of Pressure. Which really? is the first single from the record? Yeah, I'm fairly certain. Um, Interesting. So yeah, uh, and I love this song too. When I was getting heavily into Billy Joel, 1989, uh, I was having a a fucked up high school um, uh, uh, romance obsession, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. And man, would I go home and put Laura on repeat and just be <laughs> be goddamn miserable. Uh, it, it's, <laughs> It, it was, and I was thinking about this earlier when you were talking about stuff earlier. Like, like I was a dude in high school that was like crying to Billy Joel songs. <laughs> like, you know, Le Lisa Lisa's waiting over here with all cried out. Not me, man. I got Billy Joel on, and I'm <laughs> I don't, and it, it it explains a lot. But um, yeah, I I I love the song. Absolutely adore the song. One yeah. of his one of his best. I would say top three as well. Yeah. Yeah, I exact same thing for me. And uh, I remember reading at some part, uh, it might have been during the podcast, uh, somebody brought it up. Um, at some point, uh, hearing that he said that the song was about his mother. Yep. Uh, which uh, I thought was interesting uh, because it's never the vibe that I got from it. Uh, you know, it, it seemed, you know, it seemed too personal, but, uh, you know, that's me putting my, you know, 16 year old relationship on top of it. And you know, uh, making it about me, um, but yeah, just interesting to to find that out because it is a very cutting and personal song. You know uh, that even if it was about his mother, it didn't. It doesn't feel like the kind of thing I'd be like. Yeah, I wrote this about my mother. You know, because yeah. it is very, you know, very kind of biting. It's harsh. You know, mm -hmm. I'm on her side. Why does she push the poison on me? Yeah. Yeah, all yeah. of it. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. Hey, you're, you're making me feel like I'm 16 again. Can we get away from the lyrics, please? <laughs> I, I, well, if it makes you feel any better, I've got a song, a Billy Joel song, actually, that was my, I've had my heartbroken song when I was a kid that we'll get to later. <laughs> oh, so, okay. So, and maybe. Because I have a few. I wonder if it's going to be <laughs> another one of mine. <laughs> I guess we'll find out. Yeah. Uh, what's your number a, eight? A couple CDs got very heavy rotation. Let's just say that. <laughs> What's your number eight, man? 
Number eight. Uh, number eight, we are going with uh, a single from The Stranger, which uh, to me, this is one of them that, uh, along with the title track, why is it that The Stranger and my song, which is Moving Out, Anthony's song, um, For me, it's kind of like the, the origin of Billy Joel for me as a child, hearing it on the radio and then getting the album and hearing that it was not the same version that was on the radio. And oh, then, really? You know, yeah. And then 45 years later, you're writing a monkey's book about that very thing. Um, the sound effects of of taking off at the end uh, oh, of, okay. uh, are gone. Wow. Um, yeah. And I, I as a kid, I was like, well, how, what, what is this? And then I and then I got double platinum and my whole world turned upside down. Um, <laughs> I bet. So, yeah. So I, I just I I love this song. Always have. There was a long time where he did not play it. In fact, I think when it showed up on the Millennium Concert CD, which is not great, um, <sighs> it was the first time that I bought a Billy Joel release, and I was like, this this is good. Like I don't like this. And that's even after the over, overdubbing happened. Um, I, I was like, oh, cool. It's cool that he's playing that. I'm, I'm fairly certain it's on there. Watch me be wrong. Oh. Uh, I, I feel like, yeah, I feel like it had like that. I've loved these days, like other stuff that he hadn't performed live in a long time. Mm. And I was like super excited about it. Yeah, it's track three. Thank you. Yep. Um, so yeah, like I don't understand why like this and to to a, a a larger extent the stranger get swapped in and out or not performed at all when only the good die young has is all, also one of those songs now that is never dropped. Um right. and I saw that scenes from an Italian restaurant like wasn't performed like at the most recent show and people were like flipping out on the socials. Really? Um yeah, I think I I saw that and I was like, it's super interesting that it's not there. Like you know how you know how you post the set list. Wow, yeah. Um, like a picture of the printed set list. Uh, it wasn't on there. Holy uh, unless fuck. that was in error somehow. But yeah, it, only the good die young. I mean, it's it's fine for what it is. I do have a problem as you know we might have alluded to earlier about like the the last quarter of the set just being maybe not even in the same order, but it's always going to be the same slew of rockers or yep. taken from that pool minus one or two. Sometimes you'll get like sometimes fantasy in there or whatever, but like only the, only the good Dai Young is always there. Big shot is always there. You may be right. Is always there. We didn't start the fires fucking always there. Yeah. So, um, 
uh, I don't understand why only the good die young sticks around and, and moving out and the stranger, you know, just don't get the love that they, that I feel they deserve right. in a live setting. You know, Mo- moving out has become an optional song, which is strange to me. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I let- it was even stranger. Like when I was getting into Billy Joel and it wasn't being played at all. I don't think he played it on Stormfront or River of Dreams. I might wow. be wrong. Um, but like, that's where I'm coming from. So like when I was in the uh, collecting as much shows from a time period as I can, when he brings something like that back, I'm like, ooh, like finally he brought that back. So I, I think I think I'm right on that one. Um, and if he did play it, I missed it. I know it wasn't very often if he if he did at all. Yeah. Yeah. So two things. First off, it's in my set. It's later on. And I fucking love that song. Like that was so good. The moment that won me over. Like I said, like hearing that and hearing like the story, like the story song. Like I felt like I felt like I was Anthony in the song. I wanted to get out of North Dakota. I wanted to go make music. So yep. yeah, I gravitated to the song in a big, big way the first time I heard it. And it's in my set much later, but yeah, great pick. And I will say for the Millennium concert, um, <laughs> I, you mentioned this in one of the Billy Joel episodes uh, that it was a kind of a meh release. I was like, mm-hmm. how bad can it be? And so I grabbed it and here's my take on it. Uh-oh. The biggest sin to me isn't his voice. It's what it is. Um, he sounds fucking bored. Like he's doing a song like Summer Highland Falls and there's no fucking passion in it. It's like, yeah, like he just and sounds I, like I he's going the through the bands with this as well. I feel like the this is why Liberty's not on that, right? No, he is. Is he? Yep, Liberty's still What here. am I thinking of? That I, I'm thinking of another release then. 12 Gardens? Um, uh, yeah, I, I, well, having seen that tour, I know that I wasn't into the drumming on that tour. Yeah, yeah um, I, I remember reading stuff about how he was drunk on stage, and there were YouTube videos that of the them. undubbed. Don't, are they bad? Oh, so that piano man is uh, a sight to behold. <laughs> oh wow, I, I never tracked them down. Yeah, yeah, uh, didn't really want to. So it, yeah, it, this is the version that's fixed. Yeah. <laughs> Just, <laughs> You know, it, it just it, it does sound lifeless. That's why I was kind of relating it to to Liberty not being there. But um, yeah, it, it just but I don't know. He's, he's not sounds, gelling and then trying to fix it, making it worse. I don't know. Yeah, he sounds bored, and that's honestly to me that's the biggest sin of it all. Sin of it all. Like he he would he would drop the key on some of these, and he'd sound better singing them on Twelve Gardens. But mm-hmm. like, but he did. He he did drop everything a half step. At least, I think. Not everything. Not everything. It, it wasn't everything? No, at some point, he was doing um, a deal where the entire keyboard was detuned. Interesting. Yeah. So that, like, now when he plays Prelude, it's in B instead of C, even yeah. though he's still playing it in C. On, I believe it's a piano, like, fitted with a keyboard. Or at least he was doing that at some point. Yeah. You know, no, this... Yeah, just lifeless. Just going through the motions uh drunk off his ass and yeah, <laughs> wow. yeah the, vid- the the whole three hour concert is on youtube if you need if you want to cringe and <laughs> be a little sad <laughs> yeah i mean like the 1998 show was not one of my favorites so like when this came around i just felt like it was more of the same like i, I feel like that greatest hits tour he might have been bored on that as well like because I don't I don't remember it being particularly good, so it could just be 
like I, I in my mind i've always credited it to him giving up the alcohol because there were like he sounded stronger uh in in 2006 than i'd seen him in a long time or heard him you know uh singing a long time so uh he he, he it did wonders for his voice you know at least then absolutely so and yeah. he still sounds pretty good i think at least yeah I, does he i haven't i haven't checked out i'll really only check stuff out if it's something he's playing that's unusual i won't usually just go to like check out a random song or anything like that the one that's fascinating to me right now that I discovered in this is he's doing an innocent man again, um, but he's going for the high note now. Is that being done it's, in the original key? It's not, I don't think it's in the original key, but it's really hard for me to tell with this one. I don't know why. Usually I can spot that stuff right away, but it, do, it doesn't sound completely like the original, but it doesn't sound super low either. He's still going. Okay. He's still, he, like, he prefaces it with like, I might get there, I might not, and then he gets there. Okay, yeah, maybe I check that out because yeah. he he gave that note up very early on. Yeah, he, he gave it to a backing singer, like he would like turn around yeah. and like look at the guy. So yeah, interesting. All right, my number eight we already talked about is uh, all for Lena. Um, oh yeah, I placed it there at, because coming out of Laura, you want to kind of reengage after the trippy acid nightmare that you just experienced. So kind of bring everybody back back down to earth for a second with a straight ahead rocker dig it what's what's your number nine my number nine is we're going back into ballot territory uh we're doing she's got away she's got a way about her I know that I can't live without her She's got a way of pleasing mm, I don't know why it is But there doesn't have to be a reason anyway She's got a smile that heals me mm, I don't know why it is but I have to laugh when she reveals me She's got a way of talking mm, Don't know why it is But it lifts me up when we are walking anywhere uh, Which is another one of my favorite of his ballads from the Cold Spring Harbor record. I love that song. Doing um, it in the correct key and not the key it is on either version of the record. What's the correct key? Correct key is G. You know the whole Cold Spring Harbor deal, right? Oh yeah, yeah. It, it was, was it was too G. fast. Yeah, it was it was too well, fast. Well the weird the weird thing about it is that it's different percentages depending on the song. And then the whole album was remixed in nineteen eighty three with additional instrumentation and supposedly corrected. But some songs are now too slow, or they're like even faster, or they're less fast, but not right still. So it's not like the, the story about like the, the recording being at the wrong speed doesn't really jive, unless it's one of those things where like they were doing a monkey's record where they speed up the track just for a little bit more punch, uh, which maybe they did. But like the 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 percentages that 
the vinyl plays at in regard to what key the song is in is not standard for every song. And two songs are in key. So it's a mystery that I, I don't think we're getting the full story. Yeah. Yeah, I like this song. I actually have a high school story with this one. This is not my sad one, um, but we actually did this in choir. We did this in choir, actually. We did this song and uh, I was a wow. section leader. I was I was a section leader for tenors. tenors and uh, there was one guy in the section with me. He would always say after we did it, he goes, I think this song's about a chick with a dick and i'm like what <laughs> what like yeah she touches me i get turned around i'm like that's not what he means <laughs> and he's like oh, the one he's wow. i'm like i'm like it's emotional it's emotional dude he goes I, I don't know i think she has a dick i'm like okay dude whatever wow that's uh that's something yeah i never quite got that impression by it um, yeah, no. i'm not sure how you could but apparently <laughs> you can, is what i just learned yeah, apparently someone did. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, but great pick. Uh, Thank you. Yeah, and that was a fun choir. And that was a fun choir song to sing. I was excited when we got to do that because it was a, it felt like something. It was something I already knew. Like you know, it just uh, uh, I just want to give a shout out to a friend of mine that I went to high school with. He's sadly no longer with us, but uh, his name was Chad. He, he he hung around the music room at lunch, and we would often like sit and I'd play Billy Joel songs on the piano, and he would sing. Uh, we did Just the Way You Are for like a talent show once. Um, but She's Got Away is one that we do like every day. Like just sit down, first thing, sit down at the piano and in the music theory room at lunch and just start playing She's Got Away. And we had like our four or five Billy Joel songs we played every time. And like that was our lunch break. Um, so yeah, tribute to him. Uh, most of my memories about this song are are taking place in that room. So um, you know, also also strong for me in, in that respect. My number nine, uh, we're going to take it to 52nd Street. Little bit of jazz, uh, Zanzibar. Alley dances and the audience applauds. Though he's bathed in sweat, he hasn't lost a style. dreamy song but it's a little more grounded in reality um this seems to be a mainstay that goes in and out and i get why this is a good band showcase the drums the horns everybody gets to kind of take their moment in this song so yeah i really like this one this is uh 52nd street is an album i didn't come to until later in life because my dad had worn out his cassette of that so <laughs> i i only knew uh knew the hits from uh the greatest hits cassette so yeah. when i heard this one it was like whoa this this is a trip so yeah 
I, I like this one a lot. Uh, I think it's a great, great show off piece. And another one I'm hoping for uh, when November rolls around. Yeah, he really embraced this one like for a long time. Uh, I remember the the Russian album is like the first place I saw it because we didn't own 52nd Street. And so it was the first place I heard it, that that and Stiletto. And um, and they seem to stick around a lot, uh, much more than I thought they would for, for tracks that, you know, were not, you know, radio singles or even like promo singles as far as I know. Like they've always seemed like really weird ones to hang on to, but uh, but I do enjoy them. Absolutely, yeah. No, I don't I don't remember Zanzibar being on the being part of the Russia concert, but I remember Stiletto, and that Is was that was another one like f- first time hearing that. Like, wow, what like what? Where has this been? So yeah, yeah. I I love that song. So cool. Did I now now I'm second guessing myself. What what would I have been thinking? Did you see uh, there there was an it. I don't know if it aired anymore, but there was an Innocent Man uh, full show. I don't know if it aired anymore. But yeah, I, ha- I had that as well. Uh, it was a, a video, right? Uh, VHS. I think uh, so. Like bootleg. I, I yeah, just thought I don't know, for... so I don't know where it comes from. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I... Uh... Oh, you know what I think it was? Uh, weirdly, they were uh, like in the, in the early 90s, there were these karaoke cassettes that you could buy that were like in this little digipack thing with lyrics and like mm-hmm. one side would be the instrumental track. And then the other side would play like a vocal on one side and Zanzibar was on one of those. And I had that in high school. And so that was where I heard it before I had 52nd street. It was just like a weird inclusion on this, on this mm-hmm. thing of Billy Joel hits, um, sing the hits of Billy Joel. And there's like, you know, there's this on there. So that's where it came from. But uh, yeah, good, good catch on that, by the way. Uh, I, I'm giving up my biggest Billy Joel fan uh, <laughs> thing that you gifted me earlier, and I'm giving it right back to you. All right. <laughs> yeah, love this song. What's your number 10? Uh, number 10 is uh, another one of my favorites from Glass Houses, and it's uh, another creepy, obsessive song, sometimes a fantasy. <laughs> kick your ass uh, about like phone sex uh, <laughs> it's, it's just one of those things where the neighbor when i was a, a youngster the neighbor clued me into like all the dirty things in billy joel songs too and i was like what like that that's not that's not true and it turns out all of it was 
Um, so sometimes fantasy is just another one of those that like I've always loved, never got sick of. The footage of him like tossing over the keyboard in Russia is yeah. perfect. I don't I don't know why <laughs> we don't have the full unedited footage of that. Like it's always the cut up shit from the documentary, but man, so good, so good. Uh, and what I, I learned recently on the vinyl of the Russian concert at the end of side three uh, is just a little bit of his ranting on stage backwards in the dead wax. Interesting. Yeah. That's yeah. cool. Somebody, somebody mentioned it and I think it was the glass houses podcast. And I was like, that can't be right. I just so I asked them, uh, by the way. <laughs> uh, oh yeah. They're great. Um, and Lee had gotten uh, our mutual friend. Lee had, had bought the vinyl at rock and pod. I was like, yeah, can you, can you check that out? And he, took a video of playing it in just these little short bursts. And when you play it backwards, it's taken from his uh, his temper tantrum. <laughs> Let me do my I show for so many... sakes. Right. And and this is not on the CD. Uh, I can guarantee that. I had no idea this existed until very recently. So I went 20 some years not knowing this. Um, yeah. and And to be super geeky about it, it's three bits of dialogue. I can't remember specifically which ones they were. Two of them you hear in the documentary, but the third one you don't. So it's like a, another, yet another phrase to add to like, you know, all, all the others. I, I just love when I watch that, it's just not enough that he like tosses over the piano, huge electric piano. I hate when people say piano because people just think of a grand piano. It was a yeah. large digital piano um, with some weight to it. And then comes to the front of the stage and starts singing again. And he's still so angry that after the line, he just takes the mic stand and just like bashes yeah. it. It's such a good, <laughs> it's such a good bit of film. I just wish it was seamless because they, they cut the bits together that exist and, you know, but that's all we have. Uh, super, super awesome. One thing I love about that moment is he says, it sure would be better. He thinks it should be better if I could get a hold of my emotions. And then he smashes the mic stand that's what, the yeah. again. <laughs> classic yeah i love this song too man yeah this this is my set list a little later on um i picked up very early on that this song was about doing the five knuckle shuffle on the phone so yeah this is this is great were were you saving that were you do you already have that in the chamber no that one i have a dirty joke loaded for later this one just was i bet you do i do (laughs) i I never get out of here unscathed (laughs) yeah no no this is definitely about 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 doing the five knuckle shuffle on the phone and i, I picked mm-hmm. up hitchhiking under the big top you know what i'm saying <laughs> playing handball to reference another billy joel <laughs> that's right that's absolutely right oh man yeah i, lo- I love this i love the the keyboard solos in it like mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know what that is but like one of my favorite sounds in all of music is like the late 70s early 80s when songs would occasionally have that moog or oberheim solo like Grand Illusion. Fat, or, fat sound. Yeah, I love that. And yeah. th- this song just has it in spades. So, mm-hmm. yeah, so, so cool. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. Right. And also the uh, the single goes on a bit longer. And at the end, he yep. uh, yells a la Helter Skelter. Yep, I, I got blisters on my blisters. Yep, yep. Very cool. All right. So my next one, this is one that wasn't in the set list for me originally, but like I mentioned, I listened to every Billy Joel album getting ready for this, including An Innocent Man. Now, that's an album I've never, till this year, really been friends with. Because um, mm-hmm. 
I didn't like tell her about it when I first heard it. And Uptown Girl to me is just a straight up rip of I want to hold your hand. So just Fair. I I I actually don't think I ever made it through that album. Um, I liked the title track, but and I knew the hits because you hear them all by my toes eventually. But mm -hmm. I never sat down and listened to it properly. But I listened to it and I was like, you know what? This isn't so bad. And the last song on the album this time really got me because I, I was like, you know what? I kind of I kind of dig the message here. Keeping the faith. If it seems like I've been lost in, let's remember. If you think I'm feeling older and missing my younger days, oh, then you should have known me much better. Cause my past is something that never got in my way. I would not be here now if I never had the hunger And I'm not ashamed to say the wild boys were my friends Oh, cause I never felt the desire To let music set me on fire Then I was saved, yeah That's why I'm keeping the faith Yeah, 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 keeping the faith Um... I like the kind of waxing nostalgic, which we're kind of doing, you know, talking about music we listened to in high school. Uh, Billy has a great vocal. It's a nice little chill yacht rocker after some of the heavier stuff we had. It's a good mm -hmm. palate cleanser. Um, it's a rarity these days, uh, but it used to be a pretty big regular. Um, yeah, it was a mainstay for a long time. Yeah, I just think it's a fun song. Like, I love I love the image, images, you know, talking about, you know, like I said earlier, come my hair in a pompadour, just like the rest of the Romeo's war or uh the line about stealing the trojans like it's it's just a fun song um and i can't believe i didn't appreciate this before it's like it's just i don't know there's there's something so cool about it and i love the last verse you know and it good to be alive when the rock and roll plays so mm -hmm. yeah keeping the faith yeah uh, best song on an, an innocent man other than the title track in my opinion Ooh, interesting i'd have to think about that <laughs> i've always thought it to be a weird closer though on the album like uh you know he tends to well, I'm going to say this and I'm going to be proven wrong. I don't know. I feel like just more often he tends to go more melancholy. Definitely not this jaunty, I don't think. Um, I don't know. And I guess it depends on what you define as melancholy. It like, Yeah, it just always seemed like, it, it just seemed like an odd kind of closer to me. I, I, I always kind of think about that when the song's a single too. Yeah. Like, uh, you know... The single being like the last song on an album doesn't happen tremendously often. Again, right. somebody will fact check me on that, but um, kind of just it, it's always given me just like this weird vibe. Like what a what a weird song to end on. I mean, I, I, the message you know makes sense. You know, yeah. it's a good kind of you know wrapping up, especially since the entire album is basically his love letter to the the fifties while he could still sing those songs. Right. Um, knowing that in a few years he wouldn't be able to do it anymore. So I guess like, you know, the theme wise, it kind of makes sense. It just always, right. you know, was weird to me. And I think that's what finally clicked with me is that it's maybe, maybe I'm not meant to view it as the album that's supposed to follow Nylon Curtain. Maybe I'm supposed mm -hmm. to view it as it's just, it's a thing he did. Um, it's like you said, it's a love letter to the fifties. Um, and that I, 
because like my, like I literally listened to tried to listen to it right after Nylon Curtain as a kid, and I was just like, oh mm-hmm. hell no, 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 nope, nope. uh uh-uh. Yeah. Nope. I mean, ton, tons of singles, but like for me as a kid, like I was like, yo, what what happened to like Crusher? Like, what right. the fuck is this? Right. There's, <laughs> you know, there's nothing exciting or dark like 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 not right. Um, yeah, and and people love it for that, and I get that. Yeah. But that is, it's just not my forte, my, not my style of music. I never gravitated towards that album, and likely never will. Yeah, I, I think I can appreciate it now for what it is. And... I appreciate it, you know. I just, you know, I, yeah. I, I, I never get the desire to listen to it. Like, is it an album that you would just like pick up and, and give a spin? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, yeah. I think I would now. But um, I used to say my least favorite Billy Joel album was An Innocent Man, but I would not say that anymore. I, I, yeah. I would say it's River of Dreams now. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So. Yeah, it's 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 moved up in the ranks. Um, yeah, good song. Interesting. What's your number yeah. eleven? Oh, an innocent man. Somebody else, someone who hurt you, but I'm not above making up for the love you've been denying. You could ever feel. I'm not above doing anything to restore your faith if I can. Some people see through the eyes of the old Before they ever get a look at the young I'm only willing to hear you cry Because I am an innocent Very good. Good segue. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. And this is one that I didn't have an appreciation for. As, as a kid, I found it like way too long. Just one of those songs that just like was too flatline to be that long. Um, I don't really have a problem with that now. But like as a kid, it was like, oh man, this is the song's tedious. But uh, as the years went on, I, I really came to appreciate the way that those vocals build. Oh. And you know, just aside from that, I mean, that high note is something else. It's insane. Um, you're you're still in your youth. I'm sure you can do it. Uh, I never could. <laughs> I'd have to warm but, up for, for that one. <laughs> yeah. I'd, I'd have to warm uh, up for it. But yeah, it's, it's it, a hard one. Yeah. But even like, you know, I, I kind of always think about that. But then when you think about like the the little breaks and the, you know, the dun dun and then the yeah. vocal gets really impassioned and then down to whisper again, those yeah. dynamics are so great. The kind of thing that I could appreciate more as um, a, a, a semi-adult. So, yeah, I, I ended up like loving this. It, it was out of the singles. It was my least favorite as a kid. And now it's probably my favorite on the record. So, uh, an innocent man taking us into uh, the second half proper of the set list. Very cool. Yeah, I love this one. Um, that was what honestly I appreciate about was the vocals. I don't know if I can I can do mm. the the part you're talking about, but uh, 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 um, you know you only hurt yourself out of spite. Ah, nah, not not 
not warmed up enough for that shit. Uh, but like, no, I know no, you mean that, that 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 high part, and then going into the going into the whisper. Oh, that's mm-hmm. that oh, right in the vein. So good. So, so yeah, so it is. Yeah, I love it that is. stuff. And uh, it's funny. Like he talks about losing his high notes, but and this isn't a knock. It's just something I find funny. He's already rolling into his falsetto to do those high notes there. Like mm-hmm. it's not. It's not like he's doing him from the chest. Like when you hear the backing vocalist do it on the Russia concert, he's doing it all with a with a lot of chest voice, and mm-hmm. Billy is doing it all up here. So it's interesting, interesting, interesting dynamic. That that's that's some singing nerdery for you there. No, I never realized that Billy was doing falsetto on on the album. On the album, yeah, yeah. I I never realized that it was falsetto. I have this kind of thing sometimes where I confuse not confused because i i can't identify it but like i have this weird thing where sometimes i can't it's like the uh the the blue dress the white and blue dress like i can't hear it the right way and if i hear it as a falsetto there was a song i i did with my band and the vocalist did this scream and i was like just do this again and like don't don't do a falsetto on it just like scream all out he's like i i am and i was like uh, it doesn't sound that i could ne- still can't hear it and apparently went back to the thing, showed me was singing at full voice. And yeah, I just don't, I don't identify that all the time. And I don't know why that was also a tangent you don't need. And you can totally cut that out. <laughs> no, that's inter- interesting. Like I, 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 I so ears are a weird thing. Like I'm not good at picking out harmonies. So yeah. I know what you mean. Uh, yeah, neither am I. In fact, recently somebody sent me or last few years on the podcast, we talked about it. Um, the, the isolated vocal track for more than a feeling I had no idea that that was falsetto either. I thought I thought that entire thing was full voice, and wow. you can hear it on when on the on the isolated vocal that it's just falsetto treated well, you know, uh, spatially and, and EQ wise. But yeah, I don't know. Good on. Apparently, you, I was the only one that didn't know. Good on you, Gary Sharon. Wow. All right, <laughs> let let's go from the uh, from the super well known for me to the. The song I didn't think I could find a live version of, but I did today. Uh, from the Street Life Serenade album, super, super deep cut. Uh, Billy introduces the song as a song about going home. The Great Suburban Showdown. Flying east on a plane Drinking all that free champagne I guess I saw this coming down the line And I know it should be fun But I think I should have packed my gun Got that old suburban showdown in my mind Sit around with the folks Tell the same old tired jokes Bored to death on Sunday afternoon Mom and Dad, me and you And the outdoor barbecue Think I'm gonna hide out in my room Um, I love this song. Ever since I've heard it, it's always felt like it perfectly crystallized what it felt like for me to get on a plane in Los Angeles and fly back home to North Dakota to visit uh, mm-hmm. he, he crystallizes that feeling so perfectly of going from the city to like the middle of nowhere. Um, I love the song. I love the mini move solo. 
there's not a whole lot going on in this song musically, but I like it's the lyrics. Pretty sparse. Uh, and I like it. It really gives the ch- lyrics a chance to shine, and it's another early tune that kind of has those country vibes. There's a there's a steel guitar in there. It's mm-hmm. such a cool little tune, and like I, my jaw would be you couldn't pick it up off the floor if you were to play this now. Like I would just be like, what? Like, and it was it was an older show that yeah. it was on, right? Yeah, it was uh, the video was in black and white. It was grainy. So, oh, I, yeah, I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah, it, it's 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 super not clear, but the audio was great. Uh, no, no, no mini move, sadly, though. Great it was show. played once this time last year. The Great Suburban Showdown was? Yep. Wow. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Never mind. I was looking on setlist.fm and like, it's a cover. What? Uh, I, yeah, there's another <laughs> band that, that played it oh. <laughs> several times. So, uh, yeah, uh, he played it in 2012. Interesting. It looks like that might have been, it's the only song on the set list that might have been one of the um, college tour kind of things he okay. does. Okay, yeah. Um, yeah, so, what? oh, this makes a lot of sense. So it, it's on a set list from the Capitol Theater in Passaic, New Jersey. Yeah. There are a lot of black and white shows online from that venue that I think came out of Wolfgang's vault, like through their house filming system. Okay. Um, like there's a bunch of Al Stewart stuff. I think the last waltz is up there. Um, I don't even know where that was filmed, but uh, a lot of shows from Jersey uh, ended up on, on YouTube in that same kind of black and white film footage. So yeah, I don't know that I've seen that. I'll have to look that up. Was it just a video of the song or it's on YouTube? Yeah. More? It's just a video of the song. But I mean, was it a video of the show or the song? Oh, okay, I'll just, have to look that just up. One song. Yeah, Fascinating. that's crazy. I don't know if I've seen that. Yeah, yeah. love this Thank song. Thank you for that. You're welcome. What you got for number twelve? Number twelve is my absolute favorite Billy Joel song, and it's a song from Nylon Curtain. It is the song "Open Side 2. It's "She's Right on Time." top spot and i'll always be ready to listen to it it's just so great production wise just like that kind of kind of like a slapbacky uh production effect uh uh and oh man just more more great lyrics the video is amazing and um the arrangement is just so good uh yeah And, and a powerful chorus you know simple but powerful chorus it's when he brought it out in 2006, I lost my fucking mind. Um, I'm fairly certain that was the first time he'd ever performed it. Uh, it's amazing to me that, like, on the Nylon Curtain tour, this is, like, one of the songs he doesn't 
he doesn't do on that tour. It's like, right. how can you not? It's like, to me, it's the masterpiece of the album. Always kind of has been up there with pressure for me. And Laura. I mean, there's so much good stuff on Malik. Oh you can't really, can't really pigeonhole it because all of it's great. But um, this just, this is the, the top for me. Yeah, for me, this is the... Uh... It's just such an incredible song. I love it. Uh, Nylon Curtain is my favorite Billy Joel album. Like it's the one oh, yeah. I go back to the most, and I, I'll never forget listening to it the first time. I remember it very well. It was cold because it was the winter. I was feeding mm-hmm. baby calves, and I'm listening to this cassette in the barn. And Goodnight Saigon has just ended, and I'm just and I'm just kind of in awe, like like, wow, like what a mm-hmm. first side of an album. And I flip Seriously? it, and I flip it over, and then. I, I, I hear this song start, turn on all the Christmas lights, baby's coming home tonight. I'm like, what what the what is this? And mm-hmm. it just keeps I'm like, wow. Like it just another one just my mind was like I couldn't comprehend what was going on. Like Yeah. It's a shame not everybody knows this song. In fact, I think even before maybe before that tour started in two thousand six, I think it was two thousand six, two thousand five, two thousand six. He even did this on like a television appearance, like a morning TV appearance. He did this. And I think it was You're My Home or something like that. Hmm. It, it Two really weird songs to be doing in in that moment in time on a television show to promote the tour. Um, I think that was the first time I saw She's Right on Time live because uh, maybe the tour had started yet or something like that. And I was just like, this, this isn't happening. Like, why is he like going so deep all of a sudden? Um, but yeah, my absolute favorite always will be. Great choice. Uh, I'm going to keep the love fest going for the Nylon Curtain album. Mm. Um, a song that, you know, we talked about She's she's Right on Time not being part of the Nylon Curtain tour. I can't believe this song was a part of the Nylon Curtain tour. It's his most weird, obtuse thing he's ever recorded, Scandinavian mm. Skies. Sins of Amsterdam were still a recent surprise, and we were flying over Scandinavian skies. We climbed towards the sun, we turned and cursed as one, we pulled the shades out. starting to rise And we were strapped against those Scandinavian skies The landing gear came down And touched the Swedish ground And we were also Stage goes dark. The video screen starts showing strange images, kind of rapid fire. Then all of a sudden, we get a field of poppies, and there's an airplane flying over that field of poppies. And the airplane is kind of shaped like a syringe as we roll into Scandinavian skies. <laughs> wow, man, you had that all you had that all worked out. 
oh yeah like i, I was just like like the, the visuals you could put with this it's mm -hmm. it's like a freaking david lynch movie this song it's, it seriously is it's trippy it's kind of like a nightmare kind of like a dream like all these you know the sins of amsterdam were still some something fresh was it fresh in our minds something like that yeah yeah it's such yeah. a trippy so song and the drums are like huge and then billy's got that dreamy mm -hmm. vocal um, and the, the, the weird part about, like the orchestral kind of yeah. weaving in and out is yeah it's kind, of, it kind of reminds me definitely beatles but also a little bit of like early elo like those first two oh, albums yeah. like yeah. like the roy wood era elo like, interesting so, yeah yeah this i love this song and when i was watching live in long island last night and he does this i'm just like this is insane. Like, <laughs> like I can only imagine like what the, like, like, let's just say, you know, Billy Joel's pretty popular at that time. Maybe you're not someone that buys all the albums, but you know, all the radio hits and you go to the show and he does this song. Like, you know, like what is going through your head? <laughs> yeah. He's playing yeah, Scandinavian skies. Super weird. And, and like you said, this makes the, the set list. I mean, I love it. I, yeah. I, oh, yeah. I wouldn't want to not see it. But like you're you're picking this over, she's right on time. Like, calm down with this. Right. Uh, I I but uh, insane. I I and it sounds so good live. Like they really, you know, managed to get a great live arrangement on it. And and notoriously about them taking heroin on an airplane uh, during one of the early tours, um, which is obvious now when you listen to the song. Thinking that I yeah. never got that from it, you know, as a kid or whatever. Then I heard it in an interview and I was like, what? Then I went back and I was like, well, that checks out. That's oh, yeah. definitely what he's definitely what he's singing about. <laughs> it's kind of yeah. obvious. But um, yeah. And just so uh, encapsulates that uh, visual. I was going to say experience, but I do not know that experience. Right. It encapsulates that the, the, the visual representation of what I would think that might be like, especially on a goddamn fucking airplane who does that right uh you know uh <laughs> i i uh man all of it's just like so weird and and wonderful and good sonically so yeah very good choice listeners sly dog jumping in here so this episode ended up being so wonderful and grand and epic that i decided to split this thing in half otherwise you would be here for well over three hours listening to this thing so this week you get the first part first 12 songs in our set list and then next week you'll get the second part with the last 12 and more wonderful billy joel discussion so thank you for listening to part one billy play us out
listening to the Sly Dog Music Cast. If you want to know what's going on, follow me on Twitter at Sly Dog Music Cast or Facebook at Sly Dog Music Cast. Thanks again for listening. Peace, love, and music.